This is episode 684 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, emergency plans are yours really complete. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. Other benefits include members-only videos, periodic webinars, and bi-monthly online meetups, which are really a lot of fun. This is a great value for $20 a year. To join the community, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, welcome back to the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, I think this is going to be a short episode. At least I feel it's going to be short, but the topic is very important. And uh, I think they do a great job in this article talking about some of the things that we need to consider. However, it's not exhaustive. It's one of these things that, um, one of these topics that we really, really need to revisit over and over again. Uh, the topic again, or the article is entitled, Emergency Plans Are Yours Really Complete? And it's uh, over at survivalpedia.com. And again, like I said, um, it's a very important topic and one where we should really start. I mean, all preparedness should start with plans. If there's anything that I would suggest to a new prepper or someone who's coming like, hey, Todd, what do I get? I'm like, I don't know. You don't need to get anything. First, you need to plan. You need to think about what you are preparing for. You know, that's going to drive everything else. Your plans are going to drive everything else. And there's a lot of other reasons why you want to plan. So um, they talk about it here in this article. Like I said, it's not exhaustive, but it is, um, you know, it's a great article. We need to continue to revisit this over and over again. So let's go ahead and jump into this one again from survivalpedia.com. The title is Emergency Plans Are Yours Really Complete? One of the things I always like to do is a sort of after action review of any disasters that come our way. We can learn a lot by looking back at what has happened and how people reacted to it, even if we weren't personally affected by the disaster. Those lessons are maybe what we need to learn to survive the next upcoming catastrophe. I've already discussed the cascading effects of the February 2021 freeze and how a simple cold front should have been a simple cold front, albeit a rather severe one, turned into a dangerous situation as one system failed after another. After having experienced that, it seems to be what we can expect to find happening in any future disaster. Okay, and I've been talking about that for a while. Our infrastructure is so old and uh, it's dependent upon another. Again, he talks about that here, so I'm not going to go into that. Uh, Let's just keep reading. The infrastructure that we have created in modern society is incredibly complex, but as we have seen, each piece of it is dependent upon others. So what starts to affect one part of our lives can quickly grow into something that affects everything we depend on. We talk about this when we talk about the effects of an EMP or a CME, but we don't necessarily apply it to other potential disasters. It's commonly believed that those grid-down events will cause significant disruption to our lives, leading to many people dying. But we don't expect something relatively minor to have the same effect. Yet, if that freeze was any example, we've reached the point where things that seem to be relatively minor 
can end up having a rather significant impact. And I think that is more real than ever nowadays. And I want to read that again. Yet if that freeze was any example, we've reached the point where things that seem to be relatively minor can end up having a rather significant impact. Remember that. All right, moving on. One of the first things in the Texas freeze was freezing rain, impacting even before the power went out. Texas is a state where freezing usually means that it's under 60 degrees Fahrenheit, not enough to freeze much of anything. Yet this is freezing rain, yet this freezing rain turned the streets to ice, causing a nearly 100 car pileup in Fort Worth. Freezing rain may not seem like much of a problem, but it can immediately invalidate our plans to get home, as well as any plans to bug out and ride out to the disaster in a remote survival retreat somewhere. I have yet to see anyone who has a bug out vehicle that's designed to be able to drive on black ice. Anyone whose primary survival plan involved bugging out suddenly found their plans thwarted before they could even start to put them into effect. Now, just uh, talking a little bit about this and going back to, um, you know, what we experienced here, we get freezing. So we'll get, uh, you know, black ice, we'll get rain freezing on our overpasses and on, on the big overpasses here in uh, in the Houston area. And we're used to that, right? Uh, that's that's not something that is, uh, you know, that's that's not uncommon for us. We're used to that. The problem is, is that we were experiencing uh, the, the, the freezing rain all over the place. And so there's usually ways to get around or, you know, side roads and different things like that. When we have those big overpasses that are shut down where the county shuts them, shuts them down. But we were experiencing that everywhere. So, all right, just wanted to put that in there. Let me continue on. Did those people have a backup plan? Were they prepared to bug in as well as bug out? If they lost power while stuck in their homes, were they prepared? Or were all their plans based upon being able to bug out and get to their survival retreat? I don't care what your plans are. There's always a chance that you won't implement them. There are just too many variables involved in any survival scenario for us to be sure that we know what will happen ahead of time. That leaves us making some educated guesses along the way, any one of which can be fatally flawed. Then what? That's why any plan we come up with needs alternatives. Not only an option for the overall plan, but options for every portion of our overall plan. There's no way we can know beforehand what is going to fail and what is not. We'll find that out when it's too late to do any more planning. While improvising on the fly is a useful ability, it's not something we want to count on. The word is redundancy. And while it is something we talk about when it comes to the gear in our bug out bags, we are great at talking about it. But when it comes to the rest of our preps, it can easily get forgotten. So one of the important things is to stay flexible. Plans are exciting things. We've got to have them, but at the same time, we can't count on them. We have to be ready to abandon or modify our plans immediately, even while trying to survive the situation. One of the reasons that we make plans is to give us a framework for preparation. Even if we don't follow our plans exactly, most of what we do to prepare for implementing that plan will be useful. A stockpile of food and supplies, the ability to purify water and start a fire are pretty much universally useful, regardless of what happens. The other big reason why we plan is that it is tough to think clearly during a crisis. All right, this is important. So I hope you're, if you're kind of uh, out there, could just kind of come back and listen to this one. 
The fight or flight reflex injects massive amounts of adrenaline into our systems so that we can run or fight. But that same adrenaline makes it hard for us to think as well as lowering our dexterity. That makes it hard for us to do a wide range of tasks such as shooting a gun and starting a fire. At the same time, we struggle to reason through the situation. All right, guys, that's one of the reasons why I always talk about having your plans written down. Because when you are, when, when the poop hits the fan, you're kind of in that little shock moment. And some people can weather that a little bit better than others. But if you're in that shock moment and you're not sure what to do, it's like, okay, oh my gosh, like you're, you, you've completely gone blank. Having, having something written down, having plans written down would be very useful. You know, it's like, hey, okay, think about this or think about that or, you know, wh- whatever the steps are that you need to, to move forward. And that can kind of kick you into gear. So I, I, I'm a big proponent of that, taking a little bit of time to write things down. So if, uh, and it, even if you don't need it, it's there for someone else, one of your other family members, that they can use it if you're not around. I'm actually going to be talking about that here in the near future. All right, let me keep going. Nevertheless, that's precisely what we need to do. Apply reason to the situation, thinking things through and deciding what the best course of action is in that exact situation. That might mean staying home and bugging in because of the black ice, even if we don't have power and water. So we all need to be ready both to bug out and to bug in. While most survival riders today recommend bugging in as our first option, The people of Paradise, California were forced to bug out when their town burnt to the ground. I sure hope they all had their bug out plans in order. So it's hard to develop the perfect bug out plan when we don't know when we'll be bugging out or why we will be doing so. That puts us in the position of creating a bug out plan that is based upon a series of assumptions. While that is necessary, it's also dangerous. If our central premise for bugging out is to avoid social unrest, How do we know that the same turmoil won't let us bug out? How do we know we're going to be able to get to our survival retreat? How do we know that our retreat won't already be occupied when we get there? The only reasonable solution is also one that's hard and potentially expensive to do. Create multiple bug out plans. That way, when the time comes to bug out, we can decide which one to put put into effect based upon what dangers we're trying to get away from. Should our first option not work out as we hoped, we get, we've got something else we can do as an alternative. I had this in operation when I used to live where I used to live. Since I was right on the border with Mexico, my alternate bug out plan was to jump across the border and head south. While that wasn't my main plan, I had enough friends in Mexico that I would have my choices of places to go. While that plan would not be as convenient now, it's still an option for me since I live farther from the border. So we stockpile to have equipment and supplies which we can use to get us through a disaster and its aftermath. But what do we do if we're faced with a long-term survival situation? How do we continue to survive past where our stockpile will take us? That is why many of us focus on self-sufficiency rather than just focusing on surviving as long as our supplies last. The more self-sufficient we can become, the greater our chances. But some things, such as firewood, go beyond what we can grow ourselves to something that we're going to have to procure elsewhere, whether from nature or other sources, perhaps warehouses. Take firewood, for example. Few preppers have enough firewood to make it through one winter, let alone more. 
Unless someone regularly heats with wood, they are unlikely to realize just how much wood is needed. But even if they do, it's doubtful they'll have more than only one winter. Okay, so what do we do when whatever quantity of wood we have runs out? Where will we get more from? If you're thinking of the trees around the neighborhood and in some local park, think again. The chances are that people who are less prepared than you will cut that down long before you need it. That leaves you with needing to range farther afield in search of firewood, probably outside of town. Can you do that? How will you haul the wood back home? I don't care what it is or how unorthodox you've got to be to come up with it. You need more than one source for everything you're going to need. If that means taking abandoned buildings apart to get wood, then make a plan for it. If it means eating neighborhood cats and dogs, then figure out how you will do it without the neighbors knowing what you're doing. All right, so I know that's probably going <laughs> to make some people mad there. Um, but, you know, when you think about what happened in Venezuela, that's that's one of those things I remember reading about is like all the, the pets, all the animals started going missing. And then they started going after the, the, the animals in the zoos. I mean, that's really sad, right? But that is reality for people who are starving and people who are hungry and people who have not prepared, right? So that's one of those things. All right, moving on. Backup methods for key survival needs. So just, don't just have backup sources for the things you need. Make sure you have at least one backup method, preferably more for any critical survival task you've got to do. Guys, that's so important, right? When you when you're thinking about that, you know, have you have to have more than one way to do things, and uh, you need to have backups on your backups. Again, that redundancy aspect of it. All right, moving on. Just like having more than one place to get firewood from, you should have more than one way to cut that wood. Equipment breaks and wears out, so you've got to have a way to keep going when that happens. I see way too many preppers who depend on just one way of doing something critical such as gathering water and purifying it. They're planning to get water from the canal nearby and filter it through a water filter they bought. Okay, what if some gangs take over that canal and won't share the water? What if the water plugs up the filter faster than expected? What's the alternative? This basic concept is the reason behind survival instructors teaching multiple different ways of starting a fire. You're going to need a fire to survive no matter what, so you need ways that you can fall back on when your disposable lighter runs out of fluid and you lose your ferro rod. So one thing to think about is to make sure that you have quality gear. So I'm a bit of a tool collector. A lot of that is because I'm a consummate do-it-yourselfer. I've accumulated quite a workshop full of tools through the years and my collection is still growing. That's not just because I can always find more tools that I want, but also because I keep working on new things which require tools I don't have. But there's something else I've noticed through the years. That is, many of the lower cost tools I bought when I was younger didn't last. In many cases, I've had to replace those tools. Some of the old ones are still in my workshop, while others found their ways to the trash. So why did I have to replace those tools? Because they couldn't keep doing the job they were made to do. That's bad enough in my home workshop where I can run to the local home improvement center for a replacement, it could turn into a life or death situation if I were out in the woods or a grid down survival situation. I don't care if you're buying a knife, saw, or drill. Quality generally means higher cost materials, which are more durable and resistant to breakage. That's really what you're paying for when you spend more money on tools. When it comes to survival, that higher quality material could very well be what keeps you alive. 
Trusting in a low-grade knife that ends up breaking could be a cheap way to lose your life. So if you already have a bunch of cheap survival gear, don't despair. Keep those things around as spares. While it may not last as well as what you replace it with, having it is better than not having it. Maybe it won't last long, but hopefully it will last long enough for you to fix your original or make something else. I tend to collect survival gear mostly because of what I do. Companies send me things to try out and I buy others due to my curiosity. Then I believe I'm replacing what I was already using with something that I think will work better. That doesn't mean that I throw away the old gear, merely that it is moved from my main survival kit or bug out bag to a less critical role. Take shovels, for example. Somehow, I've managed to gather several survival or camping shovels through the years. The best one has become part of my bug out bag. I've got another good one in the trunk of my car alongside my EDC get home bag. Still, another is in my wife's car with the emergency kit I keep there, and I'm sure I've got one or two in the garage. Should a disaster strike and I bug in, I've got them all to use. But even if I bug out, I'll probably have at least two. Along with having a spare, be ready to repair what you've got. Even if you're not the world's best handyman, make sure you've got some basic tools, hardware, wire, duct tape, and super glue. A jury rig fix is just as good as doing it the right way if it works. So be ready to make that gear into its spare by repairing it when and if it breaks. All right, guys, that's it for this article here. Again, coming to us from Survivalpedia. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go and uh, click on it and go check it out. But uh, just very important here. A lot of good stuff and uh, things to be thinking about. Um, It's very easy to focus on, I got a little bit of food, I got a little bit of water, wherever you, you are in your preparedness, but not thinking it through steps ahead, right? It's like almost like playing chess. You're thinking steps ahead. If this happens, what, you know, if this happens, then what? Um, if this happens, then what? And so you're able to have those options available to you. And I think that applies in so many different ways. We really do do that in a lot of things, sometimes without thinking about them, but uh, we really need to be purposeful about this when we are planning our preparedness. And uh, again, like I said, uh, planning is key when it comes to preparedness. You, you need to have a plan, but be flexible, like he talked about here in this article, to you know do go a different way if you have to. Be able to be flexible to, to move and to uh, adjust it as you need to. And part of that is having the experience of thinking through things. You know, it's, it's, an, it's an educational strategy when we talk about building schema for kids and whatever it is, whatever topic it is, we, we talk, we give a little bit of a background, we give a little bit of an understanding, uh, we give some basic information before really digging into the main topic. And that's the same idea is you're building, the more knowledge you have, the more uh, you're building your schema, your understanding of how things work, then you're able to improvise and be flexible. And so uh, that's one of the big reasons why you list, you're listening to podcasts, you're maybe watching videos, you're reading articles, you're, you're, you're reading books, right? So that you have these things so that you can build on the knowledge that you have. Because if you have the skills a lot of the times knowing how to do something can uh, help substitute for having gear. So knowing how to build a fire with a ferrule rod or knowing how to build a fire with a, a bow drill would substitute for 
having a, a, a Bic lighter. Would having a Bic lighter be easier? Yes. Um, but those who do not know how to light a fire with a bow drill, if their Bic lighter went out, they're, they're done. And uh, I was thinking about, and I know that I've mentioned this one before. I don't know why I went to this this weekend when I was driving around. I was thinking about uh, fire, lighting fires and, and building fires. And I remember going out camping with uh, my son when he was in the Cub Scouts. And I was watching a couple of the adults start a fire. And they had one of those propane torches. And I'm like, okay, come on. I mean, here we are with the Cub Scouts and you're starting this fire with a propane torch. I mean, at least do a ferro rod, at least do, you know, uh, do, you know, do it with a big lighter or whatever and, and, and do it that way. And so I guess that's one way of doing it. You know, that's that's one, one option that you have, but if that's all they had and they couldn't start a fire any other way, those kids wouldn't have been sitting around a campfire, you know, in the evening time making s'mores or whatever. And so it's uh, one of those things I always go back to. We need to have multiple ways of doing things. We need to plan. We need to be able to be flexible. All right, guys, that is it for, like I said, this article and episode 684. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link the 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. Lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.